sound so upset this is very confusing to me as a first-time listener i don't know why you're so upset and this is how you start off your podcast first time if someone clicks on this episode of i went to a mushroom conference in crypto as their first episode i would be very surprised (laughs) okay fair. okay um i'm sad i'm so sad you guys (laughs) obviously if you're a confidant hello hi sorry we love you but jesus christ we started this new platform that uh, records audio and it did not well it recorded it just didn't record audio it recorded video and it didn't record audio and that was on Monday and the podcast was supposed to be released and then it was just like so devastating and I was so sad and I just felt so bad and now it's Wednesday when this comes out and this is my boyfriend Jared Capslap Lucas aka the DJ hi we're gonna try and do the same podcast that we did Oh, let me, I got to wipe my finger smudge off of this. Uh, we're going to try to do the same podcast we did. But it's going to be even better. I like your attitude. Absolutely. Did you have a good night of sleep? I had a great night's sleep. I, I had horrifying dreams about you, which is why I'm also like still trying to come out of the haze of what the fuck happened in my dreams last night. Yeah, that's that's stressful. Yeah. Uh, not good. Also, if you're wondering, where the fuck are you, Kelsey? We're back up in the cabin, in the Catskills, at my bestie's house. Y'all already have met Lacey. She's been a fan. Fan? I guess she's also a fan. A guest on the pod. Last time she was on the podcast, she was pregnant, about to have a baby. And now that baby has been born dead, and it's six months old, and we were here for the baptism. Because I'm a godmother. So... That's where we are, if you're confused why we're here, and I'm wearing winter clothes. It's because we're in New York, and it's cold, but also, we only have one microphone, because I'm a ding-dong who only brought one microphone, so now we're just going to be... Hanging out. Passing it. Sharing it, it back. And? Forth. That's what I was looking oh. for. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm so sorry. This I'm like trying not to be depressed. It's just, it was, it was a tough... It was a tough time in the podcast world. And it is very okay to be upset. And, um, you know, that's that's totally a normal thing. However, mm-hmm. I choose to be extremely optimistic about this episode because I think it's going to be even better than the I first I think one. you're right because now we already know what we're talking about. Yeah, and we can even freestyle. We can go all over the board. We can talk about <laughs> even more stuff. It's great. Um, How have you been? I've been good. Yeah? Yeah. I feel like you haven't been on since we were last on a vacation. Well, it's not really vacation, but we were in the woods on our national parks trip. True. Wow. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Hey, you know, just living my life. <laughs> I, that's, I don't think people really care that much about me, but. <gasps> the confidants love you. you. Yeah, they care about you. Do you know what we're not doing this episode that we had to do on Monday because it was so early and the baby was sleeping? We were basically whispering. Oh, like whispers like ASMR. Yeah, it was very quiet. We basically did a whole episode, you guys, like talking like this. And I was like, people are going to come in their pants because your voice is so great at this level. It is a good volume for my sultry voice. We also <laughs> saw Town when we were in the city last week, which musical theater nerds, hi, represent. And that motherfucker, Hades, had a voice that I try and do it. 
His voice was low. That was great. <laughs> you actually did really good. Thank you. Um, uh, I really like being in the city. We're going back again this weekend. There's just something about it that makes... The, we've talked about this in vlogs, but basically the city of New York never wants you to be comfortable. They want you to be on the go at all times. Restaurants are very tiny. Fucking chairs are very uncomfortable. Benches aren't even welcoming. It's like, move to the next... Keep going, which I actually like because sometimes I I think when I'm too cozy I, I just get in a, a little bundle and I don't go anywhere and I don't move and I don't even go outside for the day especially during the winter months so I feel like sometimes being in the city is good for my mental health wow I, I would never have guessed that I mean that that seems like a, a very uh, interesting saying that the city is good for mental health I would have the complete opposite um, opinion I think in general just like there's so many people so many things it's like an overload for for just like uh, like it's good in, in batches and in, in little bits yes. but um, I, I, I personally just love like more peaceful environments that are not as hustle bustle so I can do the city for a short amount of time I don't want to go back to living there which Praise to everyone that can live there. Y'all are a different breed of human. But I think it's good for little chunks of time. I would agree. Especially because I love theater. And I really want to go see... We still haven't seen Six. I really want to go see Slave Play. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that got... I mean, we did see Moulin Rouge. That was great. Did you cry? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that you had never seen... The music, uh, the movie. Mm -mm. So you had no idea what this story was about. No, and you've never been to Paris. You've never seen Moulin Rouge. No, first time, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. First time yeah. seeing it. And I was like, oh, here this comes. Oh, here's this. Here it goes. I think it was a fantastic spectacle. It showed off some of the best mechanics and set design and costumes for like any Broadway show I've ever seen. With that being said, I think because I already knew the story, I was like, I know what's happening. Oh yeah, I, I definitely didn't. I was taken by taken by surprise, and mm. it was a very emotional story. Yeah. It's like powerful, you know. You have someone that you love, and then oh, well, I don't want to ruin anything. Oh yeah, maybe we don't. <laughs> just know that it's about someone you love. It's love. It's a Moulin Rouge. Um, okay, but that's not at all why I wanted to what I wanted to talk about um, or what we did talk about on Monday rather but what I wanted to tell you about is because the confidants know obviously I've been keeping up with this microdosing journey I've been talking about a lot of like psychedelics we've interviewed some great people on the subject of psychedelics and I went to a conference and what I said on Monday was like and we you were out of town so you didn't get to know and then I got to tell you all about it but now you have to pretend like you're hearing about the psychedelics conference all over again for the first time perfect I will make sure that I'm uh, portraying the, the 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 right amount of surprise okay so it was in Vegas Whoa, yeah okay um <laughs> and it was a psychedelics conference where basically it's not what you might initially be thinking where it's like you go take mushrooms and then you go attend a conference. No, no, no. It's much more like they had a wellness track and a, and a business track about like the, the business of psychedelics. And psychedelics aren't just fungi mushroom that like we all think of like magic mushrooms. It also involves MDMA, which is a lot of people think it's Molly, but it's different because MDMA is pure MDMA. Um... LSD, which we don't actually talk a lot about in a therapeutic setting because it's a very 
long trip. <laughs> and um, most popularly is ketamine, which a lot of people think is horse tranquilizer. But that's exactly the myth and the the scary story that the government wants people to believe. I mean, it is a horse tranquilizer, but it's also they give it to pregnant women because it's like you need double the dose of it when you take it. I don't know if that's still what they do, but point being is ketamine is actually legal in every state in a clinical setting and you can do ketamine therapy assisted therapy you can do you will start to be able to do mdma assisted therapy thanks to this organization called maps which i highly suggest anyone who's interested in psychedelics check out it's the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies maps um and they're really on the forefront of all of these like psychedelics being used in a um helpful medical way and they are going to be the first company that actually um i want to say the word sells but i don't know if that's the right term or prescribes or sells mdma as a pill that you do in conjunction with therapy and so that's going to be a pretty big deal that that happens by next year next year yeah ketamine's already legal then they say mdma and mushrooms definitely by 2023 So I've been doing this microdosing journey, right? And it's actually kind of been, I've been kind of doing it backwards in the way of like, if you've never done psychedelics before, usually you would start with like a ketamine assisted journey since that's already been so studied and legal everywhere. Then maybe an MDMA, then maybe a shrooms. But if you're just doing drugs for funsies, then that's like, there is no protocol. But I was so obsessed with this like mushroom situation because of microdosing that I wanted to go to this conference to be like, I got to go figure out the science behind this stuff and make sure like that it's right for me. Because what I've been documenting with my microdosing journey is that I don't see any difference in my pain at all. The mental health stuff, I definitely do. And I always joke with Jared, but it's like I on microdosing days, I always end up naked in our backyard doing something like creative or like dancing or like, and I don't mean to, it's just, I feel good and I want to be outside. But I have noticed my panic disorder creeping back up and I've been off of all of my SSRIs for three, three and a half months now and basically like my neural pathways have gone back to what they are sans medication they're still like leveled out and so I kind of felt like I took this band-aid off right and I was hoping that the microdosing would like go in and clean out this wound but it was more like a bullet hole and that my panic disorder is kind of like bleeding out a little bit and so I, I feel like I've been kind of stuck in this position of like okay do I have to choose between not being on meds and giving this microdosing a shot but experiencing like panic disorder, which anyone that knows, it's like I've really had a good management on it for the last like few years. But now there will be times where we'll just be out and I'll look at Jared with these like big eyes and I'll just be like, What's happening? Like I feel really anxious. And it's not I don't feel good and I'll got here cause and like that's been years that I felt like I've really not been having that. So again, Went to this conference in Vegas. I brought my friend Florence. You know Florence. You guys know Florence. She's from the Come Curious squad. She's been on the podcast. I've been on theirs. Um, And I was like a little nervous because I was like, I don't know if I can like talk to her about like my panic disorder just in case like it does bloop up. 
And I was like, well, I'll just deal with it when it happens because it's actually kind of, this is kind of a big deal for me to be going to va- driving to Vegas because of my agoraphobia with my panic disorder is kind of like a big trigger for me. Um, were you proud of me? I was very proud of you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and so Florence and I get to the conference and the people there, like the people attending are exactly what you're thinking. Like tie-dye shirts, white guys with dreads where you're just like, oh man, don't do that. Or like rose-colored glasses or like white ladies with white brim caps who's like talking about healing the collective heart of the universe. And you're just like, okay. But then the panels were really interesting. Some of them on the science track had really interesting uh, people talking about like the actual science of what these these plant medicines are doing to your brain. There was also one I don't think I even mentioned to you. There was a guy who talked about sobriety in plant medicine because it's like people will say like, oh, you broke your sobriety. And it's like, well, no, I'm using it as medicine. And, it, and he talked about that like line that only you as a person can know when you're breaking your sobriety. Like it is really such an individualized journey. Like only I know when I'm going towards a substance because I need an alter like an escape not a healing like these medicines are really making people take you can't like escape through it especially when it's assisted with therapy so we get there and there's all these booths and everything and there's like different products you can try and that I was like a little bit like mm, because a lot of the people that sponsored the event also got to go speak on panels. So sometimes it felt like a little bit salesy where I was kind of like, eh, they could do a better job of this, just being honest. But the ones that had like the doctors and the PhDs and the neuroscientists were really good. Um, so when Florence and I were like walking around, we came across this one booth that was like this giant vibrating bed. And it's supposed to like simulate like a f- to create a psychedelic effect where you lay on this bed and you're basically a giant vibrator and you put on this eye mask and you put on these headphones and then they play like what's the word I'm not gonna say it right but like the the suffagaggio the the suffagaggio noise like the hertz suffagaggio I, I at this point I actually truly have no idea what you're talking about. Um, it's like an Italian word, and like it's like a, for chord progression. Or oh, something. arpeggio? No, but it sounds like that. Okay. Is it, it starts a specific with, note, like a like a maybe. I have no idea. Okay, well, someone out there will definitely know. Okay. Um, and so basically, you get on this bed, and you, uh, put the headphones on, and they the the guy was like, "I'm gonna give you the like crown shocker clearing." noises and I was like okay so I sit on the bed and I'm just like blah, 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 for like 12 minutes and then I get off and and I'm like huh I don't get off get off I just get off the bed and then me and Florence are kind of walking around and she was actually the first one to kind of be like I felt like that bed gave me a little bit of anxiety she's British I felt like that bed actually gave me a little bit of anxiety and I was like oh my god me too but I think what it was was like they said that the the vibration and the noises and like the whatever can like re help reset your central nervous system. And I think like both her and I got like this reset and it kind of like shook us up a little bit, but then that kind of opened this nice conversation for me and her to kind of like talk about anxiety, even though I definitely wasn't a hundred percent transparent of like, actually now I feel like kind of claustrophobic and agoraphobic and I feel like I need to go lay down and stuff. I was able to like get through it and like, I was there because I really wanted to learn and I felt proud of myself for at least getting through 
that and being able to like talk about it with someone and she's kind of like a new friend new in that like new to hanging out so that was pretty cool well i'm really proud of you for getting through all that i I know as it was kind of happening you were like giving me a play-by-play of like like you know you weren't feeling good and like when you're driving with the agoraphobia and everything and um um, yeah, I'm just really proud that you were able to kind of like open up slowly and surely with her a little bit and just kind of talk talk it out because a lot of times it's really hard in the moment when you're feeling that or when you're in that mode to just say anything to anybody else or like mm-hmm. try because there's so much like, you know, um, shame maybe associated mm-hmm. with it or like you, you don't want to be like looked at in a certain way or, or mm-hmm. something. Um, but, but just by talking about it and recognizing it, like you can get a lot of like love from people as well and like support. And, um, so I'm really proud of you for doing that. Thanks. I think it's like, it's fear, right? So like the fear is that you say something and then no one can help you. And that creates more fear (laughs) is what I at least feel. Cause like, I know if I tell you, I can immediately get like comfort. Mm -hmm. And so it's just about being in a situation where you fear that you're going to be having a panic attack. And that's like literally what a lot of panic attack is is the fear of getting a panic attack somewhere where you can't find safety or whatever anyway this isn't a mental health episode this is a why I think I've decided to I'm still microdosing I'm still on my medication but while I'm off my SSRIs and my neural pathways are like giving me this space I think instead I unfortunately cannot go to Mexico to do the big just for scheduling reasons, I can't go do the big psilocybin mushroom five gram, excuse me, experience anymore. However, there is a place in Los Angeles right by where we live called Field Trip, which is a fun name, where they do the ketamine assisted therapy. And I actually, we have a friend who we were just with in New York City who uses ketamine for his chronic pain and he said how much it had helped him. I did this live about TN the other night and someone in the comments were talking about how much ketamine had helped them. And I was like, you know what? While I'm off all my meds, I'm going to at least give this a shot. And I think when I asked, I got to ask one of the doctors at the conference a question and I was like, hi, I'm here. And like, I totally hear all these like panels about mental health. I completely agree. But like, I'm actually here for chronic pain help. And where do you suggest that I start? Because I've been microdosing and yay, but like, it's not doing anything for my pain, even though the brain and the body are super connected. And even if my brain feels like it's getting, I don't know, color more colorful it doesn't feel like my body's responding to it and he said to actually start with ketamine because it's a natural anesthetic anyway and so that while you're under it's kind of like an anesthesia where you won't be where you shouldn't be feeling the pain and it's kind of like a bodily escape a little bit so I have a consultation today actually with um one of the doctors and um I think actually this is the guy that comes to your house and does it. And then I have the consultation with field trip next week or something. But what do you think about that? Ketamine? I think it's a great step in the right direction. I I think that the, um, the opportunity that you have right now being three months off of SSRIs is a really important like time to try alternative things to kind of reset the, reset the mind a little bit, shake up the, the snow globe, if you will, you know, and kind of just, mix up things a little bit so mm-hmm. ketamine is definitely a really great um option there i think um and also you know i don't know if mdma is possible or like the the um, you know mushrooms or anything like that but the the whole the idea behind it is is something that's more of a like ground level reset with like therapy involved and i think that's yeah. really like a 
like like re you know like if reevaluating what's going on in your mind in a safe environment mm-hmm. like and then resetting it so that it doesn't like keep popping up like that because I, I think like a lot of the stuff that you feel when you're uh, in, a, in a panic mode or or just any of the, the the kind of stuff that's going on with you has something to do with a deep like ingrained pathways mm-hmm. that have been around for a long time whether they be memories that are like really traumatic or literally physical trauma that like you know with with the the pain stuff like mm-hmm. if if there is a way anyway to on a base level really shake up the way that your neurons are interacting mm-hmm. um it, it's a really kind of vital thing to do i see it as like replowing so like basically i've plowed through snow in my brains these certain pathways that that's how i react that's how my body accepts safety and even though it's actually like a confusing signal like my body has plowed these pathways and so what this is supposed to do is kind of like snow in your head and then you use therapy to like pave new pathways with like a snow plow and plus it's christmas time (laughs) anyway so i that's kind of like my update um on the journey if you will and the psychedelics conference it was two days and the actual here's what I forgot to say that we talked about on Monday is the actual microdosing panel was not that good. And here we go. Why? Because thank you for your surprise. Um, the microdosing community is very divided, like macrodosing, which is where you take the full amount of a trip is very like obvious right and people with microdosing because there's not enough money because there's not enough funding on studying it what the answer from all of the like wide-brimmed white ladies who wanted to heal the collective heart's earth said was like only you will be able to know if it's working for you and it's like what? No, that's not. I want to know exactly the science behind microdosing. And like, so there was one therapist on the panel that was kind of like, well, I can, I've seen it, you know, help in therapeutic ways, like when you partner it with therapy. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not telling me like how exactly. And they, you know, this one guy got up to ask a question. It was the first question, actually, which I was kind of like, damn, drug them. But he was like, hi, like I'm a big fan of macrodosing. I fully believe in its benefits, but I think microdosing is complete bullshit. And can you explain how it works? And they were all like, okay, well, who wants to take this one? And again, it was a lot of like, you have to kind of test what you feel and you have to give it at least two to three weeks and you have to, only you can know. And I was like, no, I need like take two of these a day And this is exactly what you're going to feel by two weeks. And if you don't feel that, you need to adjust. And, like, no one was able to give me those straight-up answers. So that was a little bit, like, upsetting because me and Florence were like, this is literally why we came here. But then, you know, we got to to learn all about these other studies and and plant medicines that are happening. So it wasn't a total waste. But I thought that that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, it – there's not enough money, I think, in in the whole – system right now since like with farm you know pharmacies makes a ton of sense like um pharmaceutical companies because they are selling products so they like oh we want to make sure that people buy this so that they throw a lot of money into it then they make it back from selling it this doesn't really this is like like a lot of donations people like hoping that you know this this gets more studied so they don't really have like the firepower to do all these like hardcore Mm -hmm. studies and also it's so tricky because it it is like um, a lot of mental stuff so like it 
as much as you measure it, like I think it, it varies a lot between yeah. people, especially the way like you're you're approaching the treatment and like mm-hmm. what you're trying to get out of it, and um, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they were also talking about like the only studies that have been done with microdosing like were not double blind and were not like the they were like self um, induced study. The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, less, yeah, effortlessly chic year after year, like uh, premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from 30 doll hairs, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants right now. You are. They are so, they're they're loose, they're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band. So I can like, I can dress them up, I can dress them down. Yes. They are, they're the perfect pant for summer and I'm really comfortable as hell in them. Honestly, I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh my god. I know. I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy and I have sensitive ears so I'm really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? (laughs) You are talking to two sober sallies. You know Zach and I love to drink recess zero-proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, and it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit Paloma. The Paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. And like the guy who was running the study was like, I don't even, I can't even guarantee that people were taking psilocybin or like the right amount or like there was no way to really monitor that, which is like, okay, that we need to be doing it in a lab somewhere where you can get pure silo, which is the psychoactive or like the um, psychedelic ingredient in psilocybin is called silo. And there's right now no way to measure a silo unless it's created and extracted into a, and from a lab. So it's like right now all of these, you know, companies that are selling like microdosing products, it's not science. <laughs> like it really is just like we put this much mushrooms into these many like chocolate bars or cookies or gummies and that's what we say it is and it's like there's no regulation anywhere on the microdosing stuff. So like you have to be really careful 
you know, doing it and like who you're doing it with and making sure you have a therapeutic aspect to it if you're doing it for that kind of stuff. So that's mine. That's my half of the podcast. Do you mind if I do an ad? Sure. Do you know what I'm going to do it for? <sighs> better help. You guys, my confidants, you know I'm always going to be talking about better help. What is interfering with your happiness? I want you to look into better help, which matches you with a licensed professional counselor. And in under 48 hours, you can be starting your therapy journey. It is safe. It is convenient. It is private. And most importantly, it is affordable because I believe therapy should be affordable to all and they really make it an accessible feature to uh, find a therapist that deals with so many different issues, everything from LGBT plus matters to anger to even sleep. Did you know you can get like a therapist who specializes in sleep? Wow. Interesting, right? You use BetterHelp. I do. We use BetterHelp for our couples therapist. I use it for my individual. Guys, I'm always going to be screaming this from the rooftops and I want you to start living a happier life today. So as a listener of Confidant, you can get your journey started by going to betterhelp.com slash CI for 10% off of your first month. I want you to start living a happier life. Oh, wait, I just said that. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash CI. I want you to join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash CI. Did you know they had to recruit a bunch of new counselors in all 50 states because of the pandemic? But it makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, BetterHelp. Anyways, moving on to your half of the podcast, and it's like, (sighs) take a deep breath, because you, for the last two weeks, were in New York City, and one of those weeks was for NFT NYC, which is Non-Fungible Token New York City, (laughs) which is a weird name when you think about it. That that was the name of your conference you were at. But you've been involved in this crypto space for a very long time. Like way, way long ago. You were like, I Bitcoin, I see you and I'm going to do it. And you've just been like really involved in this world. And so by association, I feel like I've gotten to see a lot about this world, which is usually very gate kept by a lot of men, a lot of white men, a lot about wealthy white men. And it feels like kind of like the stock market all over again, but it's not, which is what I'm learning is like, we actually have the chance to get involved. And so before anyone like turns off this episode, because now they're like, what? I don't want to talk about cryptocurrency. I actually highly encourage you to listen because there is an opportunity for you to understand this year and get involved in a way that, makes it not seem so scary. So my first question to you is, what is Web3? <laughs> Web3 is the next iteration of the internet, quote unquote, right? So Web1 is just reading. That's like web pages and like Wikipedia, or not even Wikipedia actually, before that. Web2 is like social media interaction, reading and writing. So you actually can interact with other people, you can post videos online, but it's all kind of held up by these kind of gatekeepers like that Google. are like Google and Facebook and Amazon. They're, you're, you're just using their kind of platforms and their, their stuff. Web three is read, write, own. So you actually now are getting ownership in what you're doing in the, in the, the kind of digital space. So. That whole, the whole basis of Web3 is based off of digital ownership of things. Mm -hmm. So 
I got a question. So ownership, like right now, even ownership is like fucking Patreon still takes a percentage. YouTube still takes a percentage. Like if you're using Google advertising, they still take a percentage. Like there is a internet that's coming that's not owned by anyone, but won't people still have to make platforms for you to use? Yeah. So there's, it just, it might not be as hardcore. So like, for example, Apple taking 30% of a uh, transaction, right, on, on like an app store, that won't fly anymore because people will be like, eh, and someone else will make something else that works just as well that you can have your same content on, but just through a different portal that's a little bit better for a little bit cheaper. So it makes it a little bit better. The, the big thing is you can actually take your stuff with you anywhere in Web3. So a really fun analogy is if I had a Confident and Secure hat, uh-huh. a Kelsey hat. We sell those on my website, KelseyDara.com. Yep. It wouldn't really make sense if I could only wear my Confidently Insecure hat while I was listening to the Confidently Insecure podcast. Right. That's just a strange thing for us. Like, I want to wear that to my Nikki Glazer show. <laughs> I want to... You said her name wrong again. You said I'm like, Glazer. Glazer. But I'm just so proud that you even know that Nikki Glazer exists. I want, yeah. I, I want to represent people that I that I like or, or things about myself that um, that I want other people to know. And I want that to transfer around. It'd be really weird if I, in the physical world, I couldn't do that. So that's what's happening with Web3 now is that there are these digital assets that can transfer around um, between different places. And then there are people now that are building the platforms that are going to um, show all of these digital assets and different things in, in right ways. And they will take percentages, but it'll be more fair versus like we can do whatever we want. And like, if you don't like it, you can make your own version. Or, but like, I just, what's the, what's a rate? Like, I see why for creators this kind of world is good. But what's a regular old person who just has zero stake in like wanting to show off their assets have stake in this world? And and it kind of also like maybe this is a time to also talk about metaverse, which fucking Facebook stole the name metaverse from what the metaverse actually was supposed to be meant to be can you maybe explain what the regular person has any stake in this and then why facebook changed their name to meta okay well the big thing i would say is what does the regular person care about right so so let's just pick a random person and they're just a huge fan of what if they're not a fan of anything that's my point it's like what if they're not like trying to show off their assets what if they just want to like go to work watch their TV shows. They don't need to like wear their favorite sports jersey around. Like what, like that's my point is like, what, what do they do there? Is it friendship? Is it community? Like what's the point of them being there? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of different, you know, I, I think in, inherently each person does care about something in their life, whether it be their friends or family or um, close connections. So, but whatever it is that they do care about, mm-hmm. In a online world, they're able to more effectively kind of interact with other people uh, without having a large, what's called a uh, um, gated wall or or walled garden, walled garden of of content, which is like Facebook. Yeah, like if I have a, um, all my videos on Facebook, I have to now repost those videos to TikTok. I have to repost them to this or to Instagram or blah, blah, blah. Versus having all of your content managed by you and then 
all the different other platforms basically licensing your content. So you're actually getting, um, you know, paid for your own content from these platforms. Again, what if I'm not a content creator? Yeah, just normal. Even a normal person posting a video of their, of their food, right? Uh-huh. You can actually get compensated for that on a, on a micro level mm. if you wanted to. So right now, all we, we, we take for granted that our data isn't our own, that, that whatever we do to interact with other people, we actually are providing a lot of value for these networks, but we're not getting any kind of compensation for that. Mm. So it's, it's actually a, you know, it, the creators are leading the charge because the creators are the ones that are actually putting a lot of effort into putting content out for the world, but it, it, it can scale out in a really large way to allow other people to, um, you know, be more fairly compensated in their life instead mm-hmm. of being beholden to, you know, different Being companies. Stuff all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can kind of live a more free life. Mm. So why did Facebook change their name to Meta? Because I saw a TikTok where this guy was basically like, Metaverse actually comes from a sci-fi novel from long, long ago where it was like the regular world was shit. So they invented this digital world called the Metaverse where you go in and live there in your VR and you get to wear your little pins and be like, this is who I am in this world. And it's like, yay. And you're like basically cosplaying. But then what they found was that that world became the Metaverse became just as shitty and patriarchal and capitalistic as the real world. So it was like this guy was kind of breaking down like, first of all, Mark Zuckerberg, you stole the Metaverse, which was supposed to be for like everybody. But now you've stolen it for like to represent what Facebook is, which is doing the exact same thing that you're doing as Facebook in the real world already. And then why would you want to create a world that's exactly like this world where we think we're going in to be like free avatars in our own. And it's like, we're still in Facebook's world. So why explain, explain? (laughs) Um, Well, it's really tough because I I think that there, it's really easy to, um, to rag on Zuckerberg for what he's doing and what he has done in the past. His track record is not good. Um, it's very much, you know, get, get the dollar at the end of the day. Um, what I'm hoping, though, my, my, my inkling is that he's actually doing a lot of research to understand what the quote-unquote metaverse and Web3 thing stands for. Like $8 billion, right? You said he's putting in $10 billion into infrastructure, which I think would be the kind of the angle for meta right this whole meta thing is if you can use the tools that facebook or that meta has provided to then now interact in this metaverse and like own your own stuff and whatever and it just so happens to be like the best tool set available that makes sense to me because he could make money from that and he doesn't own all your stuff and why doesn't he own all of our stuff because that's part that would be part of like if if you're interacting in the metaverse, you have to interact with all these other different kind of places, different. But you're saying things. metaverse as Facebook? No, no, it would be metaverse as a whole is like the the concept of a metaverse has like a lot of different people playing in it. It's it's a, basically a a virtual a, a mix between the virtual and physical world where people are interacting um, that, as a general concept. So it, it wouldn't. If, if Facebook made a meta verse, right, mm-hmm. it, you, you would be able to take all your stuff from that and go into a decentralized some, something else, some other thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the whole concept that I think is, is really cool about the metaverse. So you think he's basically learned from his mistakes as Facebook and been like, I fucked up with all of this data mining and like all this like false advertising and 
untrue news and everything and like no one trusts us anymore so i'm gonna basically redo my whole thing in a digital world and people have to trust me because these are the rules of like blockchain and decentralization which is that like no one can own anything so see i'm the good guy now I'm hoping that is true. And I'm hoping that he's going to, you know, make it in such a way that it actually is transparent and it's actually just like it just so happens that the meta tools, like the Facebook meta tools, are the best tools available to do the job. But you could do other stuff with other tools, but those will be the best and it'll get a lot of people into it and then they don't it's not this it's not anything like Facebook or it's not anything like these like walled gardens or anything like that. I just feel like because what I see the crypto space look like now, it's like very male, very white, very like privileged that like we're just setting ourselves up to create another version of this world, but in VR headsets. That's you're not wrong. I mean, basically, you know, you can't create a whole new system without any kind of um, vision for what it looks like other than the current one and so if you're just mirroring things in real life into a virtual world it's not going to be great um, that's why I think we're the analogy I like a lot is that we're in the, the weeds phase of web 3 so normally if you have a field that's um, barren the first thing that pops up is weeds because they can grow anywhere they're extremely competitive and they're just hard to kill um, and then eventually those weeds create infrastructure in the soil like to, to keep the soil strong enough so that you can actually plant real things and real things can actually grow um, in order to, you know, get the soil healthy again and, and whatnot. So we're in the weeds phase of this Web3 world and we need people like you to come in and have your voice heard and interact and um, think of different ways that we could be with each other. I think that's also a good analogy for NFTs, right? Like you went to NFT week, which you actually said was kind of like meh because you already know so much about this world. And like it was also kind of like a salesy thing where it was like just no one was doing anything that blew your mind because you're already kind of in these circles where like people are changing the world and stuff. And it's like, well, it was very similar to what you said about the psychedelics conference where when you you know, the people on the conference, it just felt very like people selling their thing, like mm -hmm. shilling their whatever their thing is. So which is supposed to be the fucking opposite of what like the blockchain and the decentralized world is supposed to be about is like, stop selling me shit. Well, that's I mean, it's it's really tough because the only way you get people to to use your product is to get their attention and. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're living in a world where attention is the number one asset. It's getting eyes on your thing, whether it be, or ears, right? Your podcast, right? Like, how are you getting more people to listen to your podcast? How do you do this or that and listen to the ideas? So um, I think that's just a whole nother conversation. But the, the metaverse, hopefully, and Web3 will allow for more and more people to directly um, monetize and or like make a living off of doing things that they love and that mm -hmm. some people will find valuable. You only need a couple, you know, 50, 100 people to say, wow, that w weird thing that you do that is like, that's like a really cool talent. Like you paint with like, I don't know, like earwax or something like, holy yeah. shit, like that's crazy. But like you might, that's your example. <laughs> I don't know. You might find a couple people that are like, wow, holy cow. I've made like a shit ton of this, like, you know, internet money. I'm going to throw you some. And you're like, wow, that just paid for my, 
rent for three years. Like, holy shit, right? Like, there's a lot of that opportunity versus putting it up on Facebook, having to pay Facebook hundreds of dollars to put it into their algorithm to get to the people and this and that. Like, it's it's a very kind of different... but you still have to, at this point, you still have to kind of utilize the current social media network. So it's right because this is now also talking about like this whole thing, this whole decentralized everything, all, all Web3, all of this is because of the system that we use currently in our real world of monetary dollar being too fucked up to start over we can't just like start over so in our world so we did with this digital currency and that's what like all crypto is well maybe not all crypto but that that's more of a bitcoin uh analogy so the whole reason why bitcoin came into play was because of the 2008 financial crisis basically um people realized holy cow this is like not sustainable like inflation is basically counterfeiting but legal counterfeiting of money right so that's kind of like it's the government printing more of something to make the value that you currently have less in order to do other things so bitcoin was like great we're going to make this whole system blah 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 21 million of these that's it it's a deflationary asset so there's only going to be 21 million and there probably will be less because there's more and more people who like lose their keys or they can't access their bitcoin so it's a solid like sound money it's a sound supply of money um, that's a really big change from um, the current system. So, so all of that is even to say, like that the way we spend money and trade money is going in this direction, and like that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. And unfortunately, we do have to wrap up this podcast, but I wanted to like even just get the nuggets in your earballs because uh, we're gonna reach out. We've already kind of reached out to some like women in the crypto space, and like try to get someone to come on and talk just like a little bit more accessibly as like a woman, a millennial woman, a Gen Z woman, you know, a boomer even to come and like say why this is important for us to be on board because with the internet and with social media and like with the fact that we have like rights as women now, which we didn't have like in the first stock exchange and things like that. It's like now we have the ability to jump onto this, which even if it is right now looking sort of boys clubbish that we're not going to be left behind because we have the same access to it as you guys do. We may not have the same risk taking abilities as investors because women have never been taught to be risk. They're risk averse for sure. But like, how can we at least understand it so that we can make smart decisions for ourselves? Right? Like, weren't you talking about how like every time you bought something for like a couple thousand dollars i'm like oh my god my heart like oh that kills me like that's so much money and they're like i made like 10x that and i'm like oh okay i just don't think i could ever or and if i did it was like i was into doge (laughs) well yeah again it it all it's everyone you know taking risks is the whole thing um, but I, I think that this whole going back to this whole idea of exchanging value between people, NFTs, this whole idea of NFTs is making it it's not so that it's not like just a, a you know, invisible coin thing that like nobody really knows what it means. It is actually now becoming more like real things that like digital assets, whether they be songs, whether they be paintings and portraits or experiences or tickets or I mean, there, there's so many things that you can create in this digital world that can't be counterfeited 
that I think is a huge like step in the right direction in terms of making the world a little bit more um, efficient. And that's the then there's a whole conversation about the energy, which is that's a whole whole nother. And the fact that like NFTs are being stolen, like that they're stealing art from other artists and then they right. sell it and then it's like not actually a thing and they create like there's these horror stories of it that like also makes us go like why the fuck would i want to go into that world and then yes the whole energy conversation which would love to do a whole episode just again with an expert on that um but like jared and i do believe in the future of it because again like we talked about this weeds phase and also like we even have friends that are in projects that are like essentially doing like nfts that are like net zero and you know, I say net zero because like you can't ever really be net zero, but you will that they're putting back money into making it so that the energy is not wasted. And I will say it, it's also going to be important for those voices, for the people who do see the the, you know, the damage to the environment to actually speak up and really be adamant about like do something to change what's going on, because that that demand from the public is going to make it so that the technology innovates in that direction, right? If nobody really cared about it, it would be like, okay, great. Like let's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like now like Ethereum is going to proof of stake, which is going to be 99.9% less energy usage. And like, wow, you lost me, but that sounds great. Okay, great. That whole thing. <laughs> um, but like, it's because people are not willing to interact with this yet because of moral principles about like, I, the, the environment is more important to me. So like there's going to be more solutions that'll do the same thing that will be good for the environment. That'll actually plant trees or something. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this with me. I feel like the one thing we didn't get on this episode that we got on the last one that recorded no audio on Monday was that at the end I really had to poop. And I was like, <laughs> I kept trying to wrap up the podcast and Jared kept launching into these like very detailed like science-y crypto things. And I'd be like, Jared, I really, I gotta poop, I gotta go. But I don't have to poop anymore. So we can just do a nice normal sign off. So thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Where can the people find you? At Capsop. And follow Jared on Twitter if you want to learn more about this world because Jared does a really good job of breaking down like ELI5, ELI5, explain like I'm five version of what all this stuff is. Also, look at my hair right now. It looks like I have two little horns going out of my head. Um, okay, confidant. Sorry this is so late. Please forgive me. It's been a week. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to ask you to rate this podcast five stars on iTunes. If it's anything less than five stars, don't because I'm very sensitive because I don't deserve it this week. I served this to you late and I apologize. Um, but we will see you next week. And um, okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.